0: Connection podcast listeners, welcome to JT's No So Mailbag episode 14. 14 sounds right, anyway. Welcome back. Thank you for joining and listening, as always, to everything here on the North South Connection podcast network made possible by listeners like you. With tons of great content coming at you almost every day, stuff I'm super proud of across the board, and stuff we'll talk about as we matriculate through tonight's episode. It is November, and thankfully, uh, because of my great listeners that submit these questions, we have some Survivor Series-themed questions tonight that we'll hit on, plus some other content, as always. We'll go about our usual 35-40 minutes, and uh, then we'll get out of here. So why don't we get moving with our first question from Ben Locke, who just straight up asks, Survivor Series, what's the point? That's a very Ben Locke question, so I appreciate it. Uh, I would uh, – I guess the points tr- tradition at this at this stage, uh, I, I think early on, it was a cool concept. It was something different, and I kind of compare it to, like, the Major League Baseball All-Star game where you didn't always get to see, like – you know, if you're a regional, if you're on the East Coast, you may not have always gotten to see some of the National League or West Coast stars because there was no interleague play. So, if you're a Yankee fan or an Orioles fan or a Red Sox fan or you know someone East Coast in the AL, you may never see really the big stars of like the Dodgers or. Um, the Reds or the Cardinals, you know, because it is, those teams didn't play and there weren't as many national games, maybe one a week somewhere, but uh, you may hear about them. So the all-star game was a special day to get to see all of these great players in one spot. And I think in the WWF in the eighties, you weren't ever going to see situations perhaps where Hulk Hogan is teaming with Hillbilly Jim or, you know, know that's a big selling point, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like there, were, there were team ups and matchups that you may never really get to see because there was this cool mix of stars on these teams and also in the 80s and early 90s it was just more believable right that wrestling existed as a legitimate contest to see who could uh, win matches to win money and move up the card right like that shit mattered at that point so yeah, this was just another avenue and opportunity to build credibility, to win a match, to have pride, and to see something different. And of course, over the years, it morphed into a mix of Survivor Series matches plus non-Survivor Series matches. There were years where there were none, and nowadays, I think it's really just like another show on the calendar. But because it has the name value and perception is, it's a big four. Like so, I don't, I don't think they should get rid of it. I, I am surprised that. You know, and of course, in recent years, they've leaned so much on brand supremacy, right? Because this is a lazy lean. Uh, well, Survivor Series is kind of like the two teams would survive and battle, kind of like they did with the Alliance back in the day. So yeah, it's the easy layup and a lazy way to go about it and to say, well, let's do Raw versus SmackDown. But I, I do think it's it, it's almost stupid in a way <laughs> because there's so much content and so many shows now Then why not take advantage of a built in legacy on a show where you could be completely different? And I know we've been conditioned to believe like there must be some kind of stakes in place to make wrestling matter now. So, like, well, if there's no title matches, what's the point? But I do think like they could easily, if they put their time and effort in and thought it through, build a card of five or six or seven Survivor Series style matches up and down the card, even if you want to mix NXT in or whatever. That actually have real feuds and guys feuding put into different teams, not just for brand loyalty, but for actual feud reasons. So, and then if you want, you could put some sort of stakes in, like in nineteen ninety, they did the grand finale, right? Maybe you just do something where, you know, if you win, you your bank to t- if your team wins a match that night, you have a future TV title shot or so. Right? There's something, or maybe all the winners go into a battle royal on Raw or SmackDown and the winner gets a world title shot. Or you could do something like that if you want to put stakes on it. I think, like most things, they've just fallen into this lazy trap of, well, this is what we do. Versus trying to really take the time to think, how can we make these concepts unique and stand out and be different? And, um, you know, just utilize what's in place. Like, why, why not take advantage of the opportunity to make things stand out to make things feel different, to make things not always be the same. And this is just another opportunity to do that, that they're not taking, you know, not taking advantage of. So, I I mean, I I guess that's the point. Like, is there a point nowadays, the way they book it? No, probably not. But there could be, if they did it right, and they could lean on the legacy and do these style matches without just lazily leaning on the, well, brand supremacy, Raw versus SmackDown blah di blah Do a unique concept, like Aaron and I do on No Holds Barred, where we have a show every two weeks. Once a month, what we do on that show is we are going through every WWFE world title change ever, ranking them based on a set of metrics that we've discussed, where our newest episode just dropped recently, where we broke down... The Randy Savage Mega Powers Act. We talked Savage DiBiase, WrestleMania 4, Savage Hogan, WrestleMania 5. Uh, and that in the episode before, we broke down the Hogan run, were two of my favorite episodes of podcasts I've ever done. Uh, I thought me and Aaron really did a great job breaking down those two and not just to pat ourselves on the back. I just think it was a really interesting discussion. And I really enjoyed Doing it. Uh, Also, Aaron and I have another unique concept every other Monday called Now Entering the Royal Rumble, where him and I are breaking down every appearance by every Royal Rumble participant of all time. And of course, what we do is rank them. So there's a list involved there, a different component. And uh, our newest episode that we just uh, had dropped a couple weeks ago was part two of The Undertaker, looking at his 01 to 03 outings. So we have one more Taker episode to come. We did part one uh, last month. So be sure to check that out every other Monday here on the North-South. And just one of the unique concepts I'll talk about is wrestling above replacement. That's WAR, WD War. myself and Marcus Fuller every other Friday uh, are taking a sabermetric-style plus-minus system in place to break down every WWFE pay-per-view of all time. And we're doing it in a seasonal view. So we started with the 94-95 pay-per-view season uh, that just completed. Our last episode looked at WrestleMania – I'm sorry, two episodes ago, looked at WrestleMania 11 and did our awards. And then we kicked off our newest season, which is the 2011-12 season. Uh, So we broke down the first two shows of uh, 2011 in the season, which I believe were Extreme Rules and uh, Over the Limit 2011. So be sure to check that out every other Friday. I think it's a cool concept, and him and I have a lot of fun watching the shows and breaking them down. All right. Uh, Hey, you know what? Why not uh, just stick with the concept that is talked about? Actually, yeah, we'll save that one. Hang on one sec. All right, who would you strap the rocket ship to in WWE? That's from my buddy Scott Shiflet. So, I'd like to think they're doing it. Like, I think I've kind of talked about this before. I mean, I would just run with Big E, and they seem to be doing it. I'd super rocket push him because i think he's compelling yes he's been a while around a while but he's fresh in this role he's personable uh he can do tons of media he's a workhorse you never hear a bad thing about him he cuts strong promos he's got a versatility whether it's as a tag guy or a single guy he's been part of the arguably the greatest stable slash tag team in wf history for most of his uh you know last decade and he's just someone that is uh electric and captivating when he's in the ring and he can work hey on top of it so this is a guy that they've probably waited a little too long on but i don't blame them for waiting till kind of post pandemic to to throw it on him. so If I'm them, like that's my guy. And I'm not saying he has to be champion for like a year or two. But he should always be in the main event mix. And he should always be the guy they're sending out on big media tours. And the guy that they hype up as a top player. Uh, That would be my choice as the guy to just super, super push. And I don't think I'm ready to have him in Reigns in Dallas. Because I don't think Reigns is done yet either. But I would put Big E over like Brock at Mania and just have him go to war with him and pin him clean. Like that that's probably where I'd go with that. I think he's the guy. I think he's your guy. They have a lot of talent still, even with this NXT shift and more releases. Like I would have said a guy like Keith Lee perhaps as well. Obviously that's not gonna happen now. You got uh uh Bobo Steiner there, whatever his name is, uh Breckenmeyer I can't think of his name, Braun Breaker. Uh, you know, obviously they like him a lot. I think he'll be on top of NXT, and then quickly probably shuffle up to the main roster. And I think he's got a ton of potential. But in the here and now, I'm going Big E, and uh, I'm having him just be your face of the company for however long he wants that role. Because I don't, I don't see a flaw in him to not be that guy. He's got the body, he's got the the athleticism, he's got the track record. He's a homegrown star. Like He's got everything you could possibly want in a wrestling star. So to me, that is the dude that they need to stick by. And hopefully they continue to do it. All right. Uh, Man, there's some good questions here, but they're very involved. All right, here's one from the Slomcat, my buddy Tim Slomka. In an episode a year that was, what if Bret Hart stays in 1998? We get Bret Hart versus Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14. Shawn Michaels still has his last match at WrestleMania 14. Is Mike Tyson still involved somehow? Good question, Tim. Uh, Speaking of Tim, a little bit of a hiatus right now because his uh, partner on New Gen On A Mission, JP Justin Pratt, just had a child not too long ago, so he's taking a little break. Uh, But they'll be back, and that airs usually every other Wednesday, New Gen On A Mission. They started at Survivor Series 92, covering the full New Generation era of the Dirty F. Uh, What I love about their show is that they do TV as well as pay per view. So, they're covering Raw and Superstars. So, you really get the full picture of what was going on during that stretch. And I think they left off right around King of the Ring 93, uh, is where they're headed toward when they return. So, uh, big congrats to JP and looking forward to the return of New Gen, one of my favorite pods on the North South. Um, so, Brett stays. So, you got to think of how you're going to look at this, right? So, I guess if he's staying, <laughs> he's staying, right? Like, he's not just there and then he leaves and not. So, he's there for this 20 year deal. He ain't going away. So here's the question. And It is bigger than Austin and Mania and Sean and Tyson. Is that if Brett isn't screwed. And Brett stays around. I assume it's Survivor Series. You get probably a screw job finish. because Sean's still not going to lay down for him. So Brett's going to stick around. Uh, you you kind of do a fuck finish. But where does Mr. McMahon come into play? Like, is this a character that's still created during this time without the momentum of him having screwed Brett? Is this something that they push him toward anyway and utilize him for? It seemed like maybe those wheels were potentially in motion. So if they were, you have an interesting situation to me. Whereas I think Brett is your corporate champion, right? I mean, he's the guy that Vince backs. He's the guy who signs the big 20-year deal. He's the guy who, you know, the fans love. He's the guy that has been with him forever. He's this hand-picked guy against, you know, Stone Uncle Steve Austin, who's rocket shipping to the top, man, is an anti-hero. So yes, I think Austin is on target to win the Rumble anyway. And yes, I think Austin gets his win back at WrestleMania 14. Then the question becomes, is Bret Hart in that in that dude love role following 14? Is he Vince's corporate guy coming after Austin? Or does he turn? Does that lost sour Vince? Because Vince, don't forget, wasn't really a character till after 14. So um, you still get some mileage if you keep Brett heel. So maybe he does get, maybe Vince gives him a couple rematches or. Um, Maybe Vince gives him a you know, puts him at the, the forefront of his eventual corporation before he turns. I think at some point Brett's got to turn back face, right? Because at that point he would have had over a year as a heel. The fans are still gonna be pro Brett on some level. Uh I, I guess in this world, is Sean still fighting the Undertaker at Royal Rumble in a casket match and messing his back up? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, his back was kind of fragile anyway. Is his ego even more fragile with Brett? back in the picture do they find a way to coexist this it's such a complicated tangled time frame to really dig into because there's just so many what-ifs that you have to talk through like the sean one's a big piece of it um does austin still get his white hot i, I think he's probably just as white hot if not more because he's got more of a history with brett than he did with sean going to 14 so that feels maybe more earned Obviously, the Hawk Foundation sticks around, I'm sure, through that point. So maybe you have them all get cleaned out by Austin at Mania. There's just a lot of pieces to that puzzle that come into play. Because without that title on Sean, he probably's not defending against Taker at the Rumble. He probably doesn't blow his back out. He probably sticks around. So what's his role going to be? Do they revamp DX still? And does he stick around with him, Triple H, and the Outlaws? And they just stay as DX? Does he turn face? Do they turn face? There's this is way that's like a just a project in its own to just like work through that era and determine what really happens if brett stays because so much ripples off of him leaving uh including mr mcmahon's birth including Shawn michael's injury you know including the birth and rise of triple h leading dx as a face like there's so many things that come from a change there just can't be done in this format tim it's a thinker for sure my friend it's a thinker all right Let's see. What's up next? Uh... (this) The narrative in the internet community is that Vince McMahon does not like to push or utilize wrestlers as characters he did not create, especially in relation to those who made it big in WCW or TNA, excluding Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and AJ Styles. Which three wrestlers do you feel WWE did use really well who were major stars in another promotion before arriving in WWE, And that's from my good friend Dave Hall. You can hear his brand new show with Scott Criscolo uh, over on the of uh, uh, Nation wrestling feed where they discuss kind of... Uh, it's kind of like a what-if-they show. So they get into some really cool topics. So be sure to check that out. So, uh boy. Um, it's a good one. That probably, again, needs a little, little more thought. So you want someone who was a major star... Came to WWE and was used well. All right, so how about Ric Flair? <laughs> to me, that's an easy one, right? Oh, no, you said Flair. Fuck, Hogan, Flair, and Styles. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, this sounds crazy, but I don't know. Luger? Like, I know he ends up choking and falls apart, but, like, the initial year, first year of Luger is really good before it just doesn't click anymore. Sid, I don't know if you consider him a major star in his first WCW run, but I think that's one that they use Sid, you know, very well. And it's just Sid's own fault that he ends up (laughs) self-destructing, but the booking was really good for Sid. I mean, we cataloged it on the recent run of Place to Be podcast earlier this year where we worked through 92 and he, you know, his run up to WrestleMania 8 was excellent. It was really well done. So I think Sid's a good choice it's interesting because it depends on how you look at like NXT as well. So like I would argue they use Nakamura really well in NXT. They use Samoa Joe really well in NXT. Those are guys that he didn't create that they pushed heavily. That were stars, you know, TNA and Nakamura, of course, in new Japan and um, whatnot. So I think those are two options as well trying to think of other tna made stars that would have jumped uh, i mean aj's the only one that really rings a bell besides uh you know one i just mentioned so i, I mean it's, it's definitely a tricky question that gets trickier because there's been such little competition over the last 20 years like so unless you're talking like guys that were big stars of ring of honor I mean, outside of Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and, like, Christopher Daniels. Like, what big stars did TNA generate that were homemade? I mean, Bobby Roode, I guess? Like, you could argue, was he used well? It's just, is there so weird? Because these guys come in and get used well, but then eventually just taper off. So, like, Roode is like a Nakamura, where he got a super push in NXT and looked great. And then eventually just fell apart when he got to the main roster. Uh, I think Nakamura, you could argue still was used, like, really well. Still continues to be pushed as a featured player. see Champ, King, like, all this stuff. I think the problem with Nakamura is that he just hasn't met his full potential. And whether that's on them or him, I don't know. But I do know they gave him a big main event run with AJ Styles on multiple pay-per-views that never really clicked. So, again, probably half-half there. But those are probably the big ones that popped to my head, you know, just without really mapping it out, putting a th- ton of thought. Uh, the Brainbusters. I mean, they were a big part of the Horsemen in the '80s. Obviously, the top stable in, w- in uh, Jim Crockett and WCW. They came over and had a, a pretty dominant one-year run in Dirty F. And again, they left on their own volition, but they were tag team champions, a premier team, uh, really w- well-regarded and well-presented. So that could be one too that fits in there. Uh, As well, it depends, again, on what you're thinking of what's considered a big star. I think that plays a role there, too. All right, Greg Diener, best NES sports games. So, my favorite NES sports game of all time was NBA Showdown 93. I played that game into the ground it was the first real basketball game for the NES that had all the teams, all the players. You could do a full season. You could do full playoffs. The year before, they had the Bulls versus Blazers in the NBA playoffs where they just had like the playoff teams. You couldn't really do full seasons. but And, of course, there was double dribble, which is iconic. But to me, my favorite was um, definitely... Uh, NBA showdown because again, like you could just I could be the ninety three Hornets, my favorite team of all time, right? And just do a full season with Muggsy Bogues and Alonzo Morning and Larry Johnson, play an eighty two game stretch and then do a full playoffs with all the seven game series. Like that was amazing at that point to be able to do that. So I would just have season after season rolling on that game. Uh I played it endlessly. NBA jam, I think that was I mean, it was Arcade, and then, was that SNES, though, right? I don't think that was Nintendo. Um, yeah, it was Super Nintendo, so, that doesn't count. Uh, but Super Nintendo had some great games, too, obviously. I mean, NBA Jam would be up there. Uh, I had this game called Monday Night Football that I just loved. It was it was an awful game, but it was, uh, you'd only have certain plays you could run, and there was a lot of glitches, and it was, like, fake teams, but it was just a lot of fun to play, uh, And then, of course, I mean, if we come back to NES, I would think Ice Hockey is up there. Bases Loaded, still a great game, too. Like, I loved renting Bases Loaded and playing that. I I didn't... uh, Yeah, I guess those are the big ones. I'd say Bases Loaded... I don't think I really played Bo Jackson football. Like, I think... I just wasn't as into football at first when, like, I was playing NES. So I think it was really Bases Loaded uh nba showdown ice hockey and then for snes would be nba jam uh monday football and espn national hockey night which was awesome too i think that was like the 95 season that was a ton of fun also a ton of fun doing tna never dies with aaron george jennifer smith on a hiatus right now but we're going through the history of nwa tna chronologically we are currently in early 03. That's every other Tuesday. Like I said, that is on a hiatus. So we'll be back once Aaron's schedule settles down a little bit. Kind of chaotic up there on the Great White North. Alternating with that, I read the Tuesday Ruthless Aggressive Podcast. Jake Williams and a rotating guest going through the Ruthless Aggression era of WWE. started at WrestleMania 18 with the fallout of that, and he is all the way into late 02. Very deep in 02. So that is a super fun listen. and Jake does a wonderful job, and he is the Iron Man of North-South Connection with that podcast. Also on hiatus right now is Wrestling Warzone. Myself and Chad Campbell going through the history of the Monday Night Wars. Uh, one of my all-time favorite shows to do uh, with Chad. Just, again, personal life in the way right now. So we're just on a bit of a hiatus. We just Our last episode would have been SummerSlam 96. And hopefully we'll be back in the new year at some point. But right now, on Thursdays, every other Thursday, Extreme through way Dance, myself, Jennifer, and Matt Souza going through the history of ECW. That podcast started... Uh, with February 94 and we are now into the spring of 96 and uh, summer 96 actually. And we are getting to some iconic, iconic stuff with uh, Raven now uh, taking over Sam Sandman's family. Like, like that, that era, um, Shane Douglas, the Pitbulls, just that era of ECW with so much great stuff going on. And we are on the march toward their first pay-per-view in early 97. So ton of fun. I'm loving going through the history of ECW on that show. It's, it's a lot of fun to do and hopefully a lot of fun, for you all to listen to. I right, said so we get more Survivor Series content. I didn't lie. Ryan Everett has delivered a uh, cornucopia of quick hit Survivor Series questions. Number one, if Hakim stays on the Mercenaries in 1990 and they use Drive Soul Bros' entrance music, does the horrible slaughter promo immediately become an all-time great promo with the music playing in the background with Hakim and Sly dancing behind him? Oh, God, that's an erotic thought, Ryan. I love it. Unfortunately, by that point, given where Akeem was in the pecking order, and given where Sergeant Slaughter was, they're definitely sticking with that fucking drum roll. There's no doubt in my mind. Akeem is going to be sitting there, which may actually make it interesting, because he'd be in the aisle, and you know he'd be doing the Akeem head bob and arm bobs that I'm doing as I'm saying it. While, you know, to the beat of the drum roll. So that could be even cooler. You know, keep still doing the, the bop and move as that's going on. Now, of course, if they did Jive Soul Bro, that'd be an all-timer. And in this dream world we've whipped up, I'm going to go with that and say, yes, they'll use Jive Soul Bro. And yes, it'll be an all-time great promo as he is cutting the, uh, you know, promo of a lifetime and just laying out his goals and his challenges and saying what he wants to do. And all the while, it's, you know, a job, so bro, a job, so bro, in the background would have been iconic and made Sorry Series 90 even more nostalgic. The beginning of Starry Series 91, Jack Tunney says he has to take Jake Roberts' word that the snake has been devenomized. The guy whose whole gimmick at that time was, trust me, how high on the bogus Jack Tunney moves ra- <laughs> list does this rank? Bogus! Jack Tunney... See, I don't think this is a bogus move. I think it's a pussy move. I don't think he wanted any part of Jake or that snake. And I think Jake was both uh, threatening. I think he was uh, violent. I think he was evil. And he also seemed a little bit litigious. I'm not going to lie. Like, he seems like the type of guy that would, because he's such a, playing perverse mind games and such an asshole, would be very likely to just go and get a lawyer to throw an injunction on Tunney to shut down Survivor Series if he tried to pull this stunt. So I think I think Tunney acted out of fear and not out of power on this one. Jake doesn't seem the type to me to grease the palm to give Tunney a reason to back him. Now you could say Tunney's playing 4D chess. And that Roberts, you know, Tunney wanted Savage back savage was a liffy until he had provocation to get reinstated and that snake bite was what did it so maybe tunny was thinking well maybe i'll have savage take this hit push me i'll fake it and pretend no 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 it's a hard step we can't do it and then get him back in the mix you know maybe something like that's in play tunny's a piece of shit though in 2014, if Team Cena versus Team Authority is the most important match in company history, why didn't Triple H put himself on his team instead of <laughs> Hager Slacks wearing Kane? Uh, Hagger? I, I thought you were going Jake Hager. Hagger? I don't fucking know. Uh, Slack wearing Kane. So, I think the reason Triple H didn't put himself on the team is because they were going to lose that match and he didn't want to lose. I mean, I think it's that simple, right? you got to keep him strong to go over Sting at WrestleMania. Uh, I, I don't care about that. Era. I'm going to have to get into that one, Ryan. I'm just going to say he didn't want to lose. Is there any more jarring cartoon to attitude error transition segment from going straight from the Marlena Krasid karate fighters match to Steve Austin attacking Brian Pillman's friend in security with a car door and toy wagon? I would say that is the perfect exemplary example of, of the Attitude Era in its blossoming days when you go from shilling children's toys with Marlena and Sid screaming to Steve Austin violently attacking a man in his own house and front yard murder, you know, beating down his friends and then attempting to murder uh, or almost uh, getting murdered by his former friend and tag team partner is about as uh, divergent as it gets anything more jarring? uh... I don't know maybe whatever preceded bret hart saying everything was goddamn bullshit on that raw 97 could be one i'd have to look back at what preceded it uh i think one i could throw out there actually would be that raw in the manhattan center in february 97 where you'd go from like this boring, bland Undertaker Farouk match, followed by or led in by like the Eliminators murdering someone <laughs> in the ring, uh, when the ECW guys showed up and Sabu diving off the t- uh, Raw letters and all that stuff. So, I guess that that could be your other option right there. That Raw is Aja Kong the most random sole survivor ever. I believe she only had two other Dirty F matches. I, I mean, y- yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look back at all Survivor Series past to see all the other Soul Survivors. Like, I don't remember how many, like, single ones there were, but I, I don't know. Of, I mean, look, you're the fucking trivia guy, so if you're picking her, I doubt there's one that stands out more. Um, I was trying to think of who survived in that weird-ass British Bulldog Mean Street Posse match. But it was two guys. It was Mark Henry and Val Venus. Rhymes with penis. So, if one of them had survived, I would have said maybe. Or if like Pete Gass survived that, maybe. Maybe that would have been the one. Um, yeah, because even 97, like... Alright, how about Kurgan? The Interrogator. It could be a random one. If you had to look back. Survive that weird-ass truth Commission DOA match at Survivor Series. So... I'll throw Kurgan out to your Aja Kong, but I think Aja Kong is the most random WWF survivor. I think that's a pretty good one. I mean, that's... You wouldn't even think she was there with such a blip. So... Awesome spinning backfist, though, to take out a Alundra Blaze to finish that match. Have you ever seen a rougher-looking 33-year-old than Judy Martin in 1987? Um... I mean, I knew Scott Crisco at 33, but no. Nah, uh... Yeah, I mean, God, she looks old. It's crazy. I think women in the 80s, poor things, looked old, a lot of them. Um, I I mean, Leilani Kai, (laughs) I guess, is up there with her. Donna Christianello, I don't know how old she was at that point. I'd have to look back at Survivor Series uh, 87 to figure that out. But, yeah, I, I mean, John Tenta, Arn Anderson, I mean, they looked old as shit at a young age. Like some, sure, there's sort of some baseball players in the '80s. Those guys all looked old, from the road and from all the dip. Judy Judy Martin's got to be up there, though. Like I don't think I would have guessed she was 33. So Donna Christianello was born in '42, so in '87 she would have been 45, so she doesn't count. Let's see what the fake Don Marie uh was born in '48, so she would have been 39. She looked old. Old 39 right there. I didn't see Moolah at 33, so could have been her, probably. Anyway. Yeah. Good questions, Ryan. I appreciate the potpourri, as always. All right, what else we got to North-South before we get to our last question? Uh, Second Break Comics, every Sunday, Mark Claire Remso Martinez going through a potpourri of comics-based topics. Fun listen. And then every other Sunday, you get an installment of Chronoso, which uh, are two chronological timeline projects. We have two separate groups. Once a month, you have the Jim Crockett WCW path, which currently their most recent episode looked at uh, Sarkade 85. That was fun. And then, every other Sunday from that, you have the WWE PG era, which started at WrestleMania 24 and a recapping every week of Raw, SmackDown, and ECW TV to see what really stood out from this often maligned and overlooked era. So that's on Sundays. Ryan Gray comes at you before, usually before every big WWE pay-per-view event with a preview special. So uh, his most recent one will be uh, Survivor Series that just hit. And then, of course, you have Viewer's Choice uh, with marcus fuller tim not the tool man taylor pretty much immediately within like 30 to 60 ish minutes after uh, major pay-per-view ends they are out there with uh, instant reaction podcasts so whether it's aew whether it's wwe they are there for you speaking of major pay-per-views or a quarterly or so sean kidd and matt souza Recapping all the major happenings in Impact Wrestling. So you'll catch them when there's a big Impact show that they want to take a minute to talk about. This week in the NFL, every week with the Cowboy, D'Amato, Cowboy Senior, Casualty Ryder. They uh, do a great job. Quick hit breakdown of the week that was and previewing the week ahead in the NFL. And every other Friday, you know what that means. Jordan Duncan and Andrew Reich do a full, um, you know, kind of catch-all on AEW. So, everything that's happened in the two weeks since their last show, they'll preview anything big. You know, a couple weeks ago, they would have broken down, uh, previewed full gear. I'm sure they'll be breaking it down in the next episode. That's every other Friday. And also, every two to three weeks on Friday, you get 9021Noso, myself, Tim Capel, and a rotating cadre of guests going chronologically through the wonderful Beverly Hills 90210. And I think that pretty much covers everything here in the North South Wrestling uh north south connection i should say podcast feed when you get a minute please take a minute go to any podcatcher app and leave a rating and a review i'd really greatly appreciate it. it would mean a lot to me and uh everyone else that takes the time to create this content for you there are two shows i missed from square circle silver screen that's monthly logan cross under the cowboy uh looking at movies at star wrestlers or about wrestling Uh, They do a wonderful job, usually just a quick hit, 45 minutes or so. And, of course, WCW must die with Ryan Gray and Johnny C. That made its return this past week as well. So, again, we appreciate the, the, the dedication, the sharing, the listening, the downloads, and everything that comes with it. All right, one last dip into the sack here tonight. Let's take a look. All right. Uh, ch- ch- favorite pay-per-view from WWF, ECW, and WCW. If you can't name just one, a few will suffice. And have you ever been to the Friendly Tap? That's from my buddy Richard Cologne. I have never actually been to the Friendly Tap. It's always kind of been on my list of things I want to do. And I know kind of the general area where it is, but I just never went, and I don't know why. It might have been because, like, the era I would have been most likely to do it. In college, I just wasn't in the area, so that that could be why. But I just and then I moved away for a while, and I don't know, I just never took the time to go in there and figure it out. Maybe I was intimidated, maybe I was afraid the APA were gonna show up and start smashing. shit. So, no, I've never been, I don't know if it's even open anymore. Uh, if it is, maybe I'll, I'll check it out someday. All right, beyond that, uh, god, my favorite pay per view from the WWF. I mean, I think. You know, I'm pretty on record, and I'll probably stand by my WrestleMania 6. Like, it's just my show. You know, the the first show I watched as a fan, the first build, just everything about it. I just love WrestleMania 6. could watch it anytime, anywhere you want to put it on. And I think most of my answers are going to be nostalgic. Like, along with that would be Survivor Series 89. Super nostalgic show. Ton of fun to watch. Rumble ninety two, of course, Rumble ninety, just all those classic, old school um, pay per views that stand out that I could turn on anytime. And that's to say, more modern ones aren't great too. Or my, but if you're talking like favorites, I'm just going kind of nostalgic, classic, throwback for WCW Spring Stampede ninety four is my all time favorite. Uh, I just love that little stretch in early ninety four that show is loaded with so many fun matches and feuds and just the feel and the vibe that they had going on pre-Hogan was so much fun I really enjoyed of course uh, Bash of the Beach 96 you know Chad and I dove into that recently on Wrestling recently jeez the months fly by earlier this year on Wrestling Warzone but I think Stampede 94 still stands out as as my favorite of all time from wcw and i'll be honest i don't i don't have a favorite ecw pay-per-view i don't know them well enough so that's why i'm really looking forward to continuing my journey on extreme three-way dance because i want to dive into those see the build see everything that comes with it i've only seen a couple honestly in full um whether it was at the time or just uh you know in retrospect looking back so yeah, I think those are my faves. But anyone out there that wants to chime in too, like, what are your faves of those three major promotions? Anything jump out at you? Uh, All-timers that I'm, I'm not thinking of. But just your favorites. Again, not, not looking at the greatest, just your favorites. So... That'll do it. I hope everyone has a great, uh, healthy, happy Thanksgiving here in the United States and overseas. Hopefully, everyone finishes uh, the month strong and heading into the new year soon. And of course, end of year festivities. I will be back next month, as always, with a new mailbag for Christmas time. Until then, take care, stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you soon. Yeah.